0: We're going to look at a passage of one of the high points of the Bible. The uh, Book of Romans really is extraordinary, if uh, it, for what it presents in terms of understanding what Jesus did and why he was uh, uh, why he was necessary uh, to bring salvation the way he did. Romans is incredible. In the first 11 chapters, Paul lays out what uh, the the theological doctrinal reality of Jesus Christ. And that sounds like, oh, theological doctrinal reality. That doesn't sound very practical. But then he gets to chapter 12, and it takes a turn. And he says, therefore, in view of the mercies of God... Everything that had come before that work, he laid out how both Jew and Gentile needed Jesus. They needed the Savior. He lays out how sin is not just something that we all do, but it's something that's in us. It's part of our fallen nature and how we need to be delivered. And he he lays this out. Then in chapter 12, he says, in view of everything I've just presented you present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. That's your reasonable service of worship. That's what worship is, is that you recognize him as Lord and Savior, and you give him yourself, not just your songs. And I'm, hey, I, I love what just happened singing worshiping i have for many years but he wants something more than just a song right because we could stand in church and have great voices and um, better voices and better musicians and everything like this and a fancy light show and everything like that and you know that I, I i'd love it if we had that but That doesn't equal worship. Worship is the giving of ourselves to him as living holy sacrifices. And then from chapter 12 on to the end of the book, uh, well, the last chapter is sort of Paul's goodbyes to uh, people and acknowledging their faith and that kind of thing. But the, the chapters 12 through 15, Paul lays out, in light of all of that, here's how you have to live. Here's how you should live. He gets very, very practical and he deals with person-to-person relationships. Up to that point, he's dealing a lot with how we stand before God how God views us, how we need to view God. And it's this vertical relationship. But then he starts dealing with, now, in view of all of that, here's how you need to live. Here's how you need to relate. Here's how you need to be. You go through chapters uh, 12 uh, through 14, and he talks about how we need to be in society, how we need to relate to authorities and uh, government, how we need to relate to uh, our neighbors and other people around us. It, uh, you know, really, it, it, it has an application to how we function in our work and relate to um, both employers and employees. And he covers the range of human relationships. And then, above all, he talks about how we relate And how we live in the church. How we interconnect with one another. At the end of um, the book of Galatians. I love this verse. It says. Do good to all men. All people. Especially those of the household of faith. It doesn't mean because they're more valuable. But there's something about the. Well, there's a lot of um, metaphors you could use, but there's something about the collective of the people of God where the, the working out and the, I don't want to say experimenting, but the, the rehearsal for how we're going to be out there is in here. We do it in here. It's like the pressure cooker where we're in close relationship with other people and we learn how to connect here. So we do it better out there. And we're called to relate in a special way to the people that are with us in the body of Christ. Amen? Just look at somebody next to you right now. There's a special way God wants you to relate to them. (laughs) Spouses are looking at each other, you know. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's something special about the people of God and and how we're to work it out and see relationships worked out and the, the practical application of what we believe about Jesus in the body of Christ. Now, I say all of this in the context of a new season. We're in early september uh it's been really nice but we know it's you know it's going to change and we're coming into a new season there's something about the fall in the natural it's a new season but there's something about the autumn it is a beginning and it's kind of a a season of growth and again i want to just say i i have a sense of this being a season for compass church to go forward to go, where we don't, who wants to stay the way you are personally? Hopefully nobody. I'm glad everybody was paying attention. And somebody was just saying, hey, amen, you know. I want to stay exactly as I am, you know. And again, and the spouse of that person slaps them. You, know? no. uh, you need to change. This is a season of change personally, but also for us, it's a season of change. I don't want to be just the same when we start 2020 amazing in less than four months a new decade 2020 will begin I don't want to be just the same I want to grow spiritually I want to grow with more evidence of the presence of God when we say you are here moving in this place oh we know it's really happening I want more of that more of God saving people who wants to see family members and friends saved yes amen absolutely more of them see people filled with the Holy Spirit and experiencing a new uh, degree of intimacy and joy in relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Oh, boy, I want that. I I want more and more and more of it. And I'm, you know, I, I see incremental advance and growth, but I want more. I want more. And I feel that we're in a season of that. And... When we're in that, when God's moving, like, let's, you know, sort of like the surfer, he doesn't create the wave, but when it's there, it's there. You don't get to pick and choose. I think I'll wait a few more seconds. No, you missed it. You, you catch it when it's there, and I feel there's a wave that it's time for us. Uh, you know, let that be a prophetic word to us that it's time to catch the wave. When it's here, we catch it. We take it. Let's go with it. Why? Because we want to go forward in God. So, this is a word now to the church. It's just it's a season where the church is vital, not just, you know, the theological high points like the first 11 chapters of Romans, but now we move into a time where let's apply what we know about Jesus. Apply what we know about being saved, about relationship with God, about how we relate in the church. It's time. The church is really, really valuable to the Father and really valuable to Jesus, even called his bride. We need to share God's valuation of the church His high view of the church, Amen. We we, it's necessary for us to love the church and to believe that what Jesus says about the church—that He's going to sanctify her, cleanse her, and present her to Himself, spotless Mm -hmm. and without blemish, Mm -hmm. a beautiful bride prepared for a perfect bridegroom. That's us now. May not look like it's ready. So, this is a word to disciples. Chapter 15. Romans 15, verses 1 to 7. It's a word to the church. Um, now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus. That with one accord, you may with one voice... Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to read chapter 7. Some Bibles and some commentators put this as the start of a new section. Some include it with this. I want to read that. Um, He says, With one accord you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Wherefore, accept one another. Just as Christ also accepted us. To the glory of God. And he goes on to talk. About. The Gentiles. Accepting their Jewish brothers in the faith. And the Jewish brothers. Accepting the Gentile. Non-Jewish brothers. In the faith. Because he was facing. A monumental task. Of people who had. Spent. A millennium. Walking separate. From all the nations. And now. Here's. Paul saying, in Christ, we're on the same footing, and we need to walk together. Man, I have said it before. I love the ethnic diversity of this church. Uh I want that to be multiplied. In fact, I'm even praying for those ethnicities that aren't represented here. We need more. But here in the West, in the 21st century, that's probably not... Even as challenging as it would have been in Paul's day to say, boy, in this church, I'm asking these Jewish brothers and sisters to relate to the Gentiles as being on the same footing. Oh, man, they were facing, you know, you're, you're going against mm-hmm. uh, a well-worn r- r- rot." You know, you know, yeah, Samaritans. I mean, they were, this was, a, this was a, a new day, and Paul's calling them, and that's where he's going to go with this. That's where he takes the end of chapter 15. But let's back up, because he starts by saying these things. Um, it's, he, it's clear from the first verse that Paul knows not everybody, even if you take ethnicity out of it, not everybody is in the same place in their walk of faith. Just like in here. Some people are newer believers. Some people have been walking with the Lord a long time. Some people have certain struggles. Other people have other struggles. People have different, you know... uh, Areas where they, they're uns, unclear about the truth, about the gospel, and other areas where they're strong. And Paul recognizes they're not all the same. He says, We who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. He doesn't just say, Come on, guys, try to keep up. We need to bear with the strength With the weaknesses, rather, of those who are without strength. Those who are missing something in their walk. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, her good, and his edification and her edification. Which means building up, strengthening. We need to do things that will strengthen people so that some of those weaknesses are minimized. And they grow, and they become strong, and they do the same thing. And we pull along those. Now, there's a thing here where it says, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. If somebody said that to you, what would you think about that word bear? You need to bear the weaknesses. Yeah, it could mean bear as in, in fact, it does mean bear as in uh in john nineteen seventeen, it talks about jesus bearing his cross not tolerate because that, that can sound like that oh you know i can hardly bear if they go on again about their job you know i can hardly tolerate it of course we would never do that um But that's not, it means bear as in Jesus bearing his cross. In Luke 14, 27, the same word is used of us, bearing our cross. So he's saying, don't just tolerate it and passively look and, you know, eye roll, you know, uh, they're weak, you know, in a condescending fashion. No, let's help them with it and do good and edify them and do what we can to see them grow in strength and be built up. We're together in this, is what he's basically saying, and not passively. We're not just going ahead and, sorry, if you can't keep up, I've got, you know, an advancement in the kingdom of God that I've got to do, and you can't keep up. No, I'm not passively doing that. I'm actively pursuing Christ, and as much as possible, I'm going to pull others with me. I'm going to help them to go to that place to encounter God as well, to find their faith in Christ, to have their breakthrough in Him. To I want that for you guys, and we want that. If somebody in here today comes to Christ, we don't look and say, "Ah, oh, they really should be farther along, more mature." No, we accept the fact that uh, little Bradley Jr. isn't in here right now, but. We only expect certain things of him right now, right? Crawling seems like, woohoo, what a victory. In another year, if that's as far as it goes, it's going to be kind of like, come on, kid, get up. (laughs) Stand on your feet, you know? It's just like that's how it is. I mean, we we accept certain things of babies. And in the faith, it's the same thing we accept certain things but we're continually leading them forward you know it's an amazing thing we talk to kids even before they can understand what we're saying but we keep talking and what happens a little while later they start saying certain words uh usually no uh you know they, somehow they pick that one up right away um so we, we bear with, we stand with, we do good and edify the church. We're in this together. And Paul keeps going, he says, in verse 4, For whatever was written in earlier times it was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope is always pointing to the future. It's saying, you may be weaker, you may be immature, you may be newer in this. You may not like everything about yourself and you hope for more in Christ, but that's just it. You're hoping, you're seeing a picture, like a blueprint of what it should look like in the future. I can be that person and that's what I'm aiming at. Hope is life-giving, amen? amen. If we didn't have hope, if we don't have hope, it's like we don't have heart. We, we wither and die without it. Hope paints a picture of what can be and should be. And we, we aim for that and we say, okay, well, I'm, I'm not the man of God that I would like to be. But I have hope that Jesus says, I'm going to complete the work I started in you. Yes, that builds hope. He's working on me. He's not given up, even if you have. Right. He hasn't. There's hope. There's a picture of hope and I'm aiming for that. Hope looks forward. It anticipates A brighter future. A good outcome. Which appears to be what God is promising the ones who are weak. And I I know I skipped over this passage, the verse where he says, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. I want to just sum it up this way. He's saying, even Jesus didn't just do what was good for himself. He did what his father what, was, what his father desired and what was good for us. And if he hadn't done it, we're all dead in our sins. We're all lost. Jesus didn't just please himself. And so in effect, he's saying once again, this is one of the foundational realities of this church. We want to be Christ-centered and we want to be Christ-like. We we emulate Jesus in everything. There's our example. We are like Christ. We want to aim at being like Christ. And he's saying, Jesus was like this. You guys be like this. And work for the edification of others. He continues in, in prayer now. Now, this is a key. He continues in prayer, not just saying, come on, guys, do this now. He says, now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. It's not just a work of our willpower and strength. And I say, praise the Lord, because my willpower, depending on my mood, depending on how much or how little sleep, depending on a number of factors, my willpower can go from being, you know, stronger to being... Basically non-existent. And now I realize I might be the only one in this room like that. <clears throat> wink, wink. But he's, he's not just saying this is up to you. Now do this in your strength. He says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another. He's saying, I, I'm asking God to give you strength to be these kind of people, to be a a unified people together. May God grant you this. Now, of course, it requires effort, just like, how many have found that, that in everything in the Bible, there's the God part of it, he initiates, but then we have to respond and go with it, right? We're we're not just passively. I remember somebody telling me that years ago because they heard of somebody who quit smoking and said, when I got saved, God just took the desire away and it was completely gone. So then another person who was struggling with that particular area said, well, I'm just going to wait for that to happen. (laughs) You know, after five years, they were still waiting for it to happen. It's like, well, hey, I heard of a guy. I knew a guy when I first got saved. He got delivered from him and his wife. They got saved, and they said, as soon as they got saved, they they were heroin addicts. They were completely delivered. He said, it was like I was looking at a different person in the mirror. The guy that was a heroin addict was gone. And I didn't have the slightest inclination. Well, I love the sound of that miracle. But it's not everybody's experience, right? Some had to go check in, you know, and get get help. Most, in fact. And I like the sound of that. So God does it differently with people. We have to respond. We have to yield. It's a divine work, but it requires us participating, amen. Not just passively waiting and uh, saying, if you know, if if God wants me to stop watching porn, He'll turn it off. <laughs> you know, no, He won't. Uh, you need to turn that thing off, amen. amen. Uh, is it uncomfortable in here? Yeah. Is anybody uncomfortable about any of that stuff? It's the same with all sin. Those are just some obvious things that come to the fore that show how we need God's grace, power from God, but we also have to respond and cooperate with that functioning. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'll move on from that. He says, or should I keep going? Do you want me to name some other sins? Okay, Uh, I've got a list here, um, and I can read this list with great comfort because none of these sins are mine. Uh, So, yeah. 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 There's... Be of the same mind with one another, he says. Be one. The NIV says that he may grant a spirit of unity among yourselves. The English Standard Version says that he may grant you to live in such harmony with one another. He's addressing the church. God's people together and not just together loosely as acquaintances but in unity harmony like-mindedness he says you know be of the same mind that that's an obvious difference from the that's an obvious difference to walk that way from what we experience in the world, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's, unity is so valuable yes. that it is something that in every church, even if the church had two members, the enemy will attack unity. That's right. He'll go after it. He wants to divide people. He wants to bring division. He hates it because God loves it. God loves unity. He loves harmony. The devil is going to be after it constantly. He says, Be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, as is fitting in Christ. Because Christ is one, He's not divided. Christ with his Father and the Spirit is one. All of John chapter 17 is about that, about oneness. Christ is for it, so the enemy is against it. Being of the same mind is what you'd expect in Christ. It's appropriate and natural. He's a God of unity, a God of oneness. And the church is the community where the the clearest expression of oneness should be found. In fact, it is, just not all the time. It needs to be cultivated there, developed there. Why? Because we have the example of Christ and the power of Christ to bring it about. Mm -hmm. He's working to bring about oneness because it matters to him. Why? Because when we're in one accord, it's a witness to the world, right? right? That's in the Bible. They'll know we're Christian disciples by our love for one another. There's something about oneness. He knows that that's going to be a witness in the world. So division is helps to sort of derail our witness in the world. But it's not just that. For the benefit of fellowship, for people like we were singing this morning about God's a way maker, miracle worker, these guys. There's healing in the body of Christ where people are walking one, where okay, I, somebody comes in and, you know, maybe they're insecurity that, you know, I, I, nobody's going to accept me and I've had these challenges and I've got these insecurities and in the body, they get accepted. And what happens? People can flourish, right? Mm-hmm. People can flourish. Oh, I got rejected before. I found a place of belonging, That's right. a place of family. Like, you know, this is not just a slogan to me, experience family. The, the church has got to be that. Like, it, there's healing and life in it. I mean, you know, so much of the stuff that the social ills of our generation are caused because the family has been the target of the devil, too. He destroys it because people without that rootedness in family, what happens? It, it destroys them. Thank God, God's bigger, and he heals, and he restores. He says, he sets the fatherless in families, The orphan, he sets in families. The widow, he sets in families. People who are on the fringes by themselves, he sets in families. It matters to him. There's healing there. In the body of Christ, it's a family. It's a place where life comes. Now, our oneness affects our witness. Our oneness affects our fellowship and our life that way. But it also affects our worship. And that's where this goes. Look at this. Be of one mind, according to Christ Jesus, that with one accord, verse 6, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again and again, listen to these passages. Acts one fourteen. They were with one mind continually devoting themselves to prayer. And then what happened? Good things happen. Uh, They were all together in one place on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's poured out. 246. They're daily continuing with one mind in the temple, praising God, having fellowship. 424. They lifted their voices with one accord. O Lord, it is you who made heaven. The place was shaken. The Spirit was poured out. Verse 40 through. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and many signs and wonders were being done. At the hands of the apostles, and many, many more are coming to Christ. There is something about oneness and our worship where it appears that God loves to show up there and do the extraordinary. Mm-hmm. In uh, how many know this verse from Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen? Uh, if those, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from and um, turn from their wicked ways. Uh, I just botched it, sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll hear from heaven, um, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. If you back up a little bit, before that, that came out of a time of worship where it says they were singing in unison the band that Solomon had assembled, and they were all singing together with one accord when the presence of God landed on the newly um, uh, built temple, and they were all they, it says smoke filled the temple, and the the ministers, the priests couldn't couldn't keep standing. They just like, I look forward to it, yeah. uh, where the presence of God comes to the point that they're like, oh my goodness, yeah. like you know, there's such a holy. Uh, and it 's happened before it 's happened in our generation. It happened in the Arctic Circle in none of it. There was a church where they had an experience like this, and everybody heard a sound like a jet and they said they checked the soundboard, they unplugged it, and the sound was still there and It was a small group of people um, uh, and they they realized. It was something supernatural and God came and a revival started in this place. In, a, in, a, in an area, that area of Nunavut, where suicide, youth suicide was through the roof because kids felt like no prospects, you know? Not, no prospects, they're there, there's n- nothing to live for and they, they had a revival where the uh, suicide rate... Uh, fell. People are getting saved, left, right, and center, because the presence of God comes. But something happened in one accord, and that glory came down. The glory of God, and it's interesting that that language gets used in 2 Chronicles, and it gets used here. With one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even in that, the God and Father of, of our Lord He's now our father, we're brothers and sisters. Family, again, he's built it together. He means it to be that way. And he says, with one voice, our unity impacts our witness, our mission to the world. Our unity impacts what takes place in the church where people get healed and ministered to. And our unity impacts our worship. And it's a unity where, honestly, be of the same mind. Does that mean that we will agree on everything? Everything exactly? This is a trick question. <laughs> Be careful how you answer. No, we won't. I mean, who, are, who is the person or the people that are closest to you in your life? Probably a family member or a spouse or, you know, a best friend. Do you agree with them on absolutely everything? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> I know Rose thinks we agree on everything, but that's just because sometimes I acquiesce to what she says. No, we don't agree on everything. On a lot of things, we see the same. But here's the thing that this unity is centered on. The very, the very one that gets glorified in our unity is the very one who is our center, who is our agreement. It isn't that we believe every doctrine exactly the same, but we agree that he is to be worshipped, that he is Lord, that he's over heaven and earth. He's the maker of all the... That's where our oneness, our unity, begins, and I love that about Compass Church, it begins in praise, begins in worship. And it results in more of the same. It really is a key for us. There's something about us singing and saying, he is the way maker and the miracle worker. It's not any person's particular giftedness or anything. And we can come together. I was thinking of the, the middle song we did where we say, call on the name that is hope, Jesus, the son of God, Lord over all, he is good and his mercy endures. Is there any one of us that can't agree that Jesus is Lord over all? Um, he's good and his mercy endures. Right. That's, that's Bible, plain and simple, and it's repeated many times. He's Lord over all. He's good, Psalm 100. He is good and his mercy endures, or some translations say his love endures f- forever. We believe that. So that's where we start. We are one in recognizing his headship, his lordship, his um, worthiness to be praised and delighted in forever. That's where it starts. Oh, but there's other things where we don't agree. Let's keep coming back to that and start there on that rock, on that truth. We start there that Jesus is Lord. He's the savior. And from there, we deal with some of the other things where there's... You know, I mean, hey, we're all in process learning and growing in our knowledge, but also some of the things that I held to at one point in my faith, they have been adjusted. I don't believe quite the same way that I did. I thought certain things. I was then shown the truth, and it's like, oh, okay, there's, even if it wasn't, completely wrong. It's like there's certain things where it's like, oh yeah. I mean, I, I can say, when I first moved to BC and there was a certain stream of teaching that I was hearing a lot of. And there were good things in it in terms of encouragement, in terms of my expectations of God. But there were other imbalances in this Particular movement where it needed some, I needed some balance. I needed someone else to say, "Hmm, you know, have you considered this? And I want to be humble enough that if somebody can show it to me in the Bible, that okay, I. I don't need to dig in my heels and say, no, I've believed this for the last 10 years, therefore it must be true, and I'm going to die on this hill. Why? Especially if it isn't true, or if it is, you know, questionable. Why would I stand, uh, uh, you know, firm in that? So we don't agree on everything because we're still being um, shaped. We're being informed. To, uh, but our unity is our unity isn't just a doctrine. Our unity is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And so as we go into this season, this season of advancement in terms of drawing closer to God, presenting Christ to the world around us, being more Christ-like, as we do that, can we, In this community of faith, make a fresh um, commitment Mm -hmm. to the Lordship of Jesus Mm -hmm. in respect to the body of Christ and unity in the body. That this will be a place where we will stand with one another, where we'll come alongside one another at different places in our faith, and in our walk, all of those kinds of things, we need it, can we do that, can we say, hey, we recognize the devil hates unity, because God uses it to witness to the world, he uses it to heal people, and he uses it to to be glorified, so the devil hates it, he's going to come after us, can we make a fresh commitment to say, you know what, I'm not going to let my speech or my attitude or my pride or anything be an open door for the enemy to come in and drive a wedge. All the churches I've been in, and it's only been a few, three in my life, and I was shorter times in some churches, have always at some point been attacked for one thing or another, and division when it is allowed a little bit of room yet mm-hmm. i've been in a church twice now where it destroyed it mm-hmm. where it you know it well that maybe that's not quite correct to say it destroyed it destroyed much of what was there yes. there was some recovery but so just to, to say that, it wasn't like it, it ceased to exist. But that kind of division, and there's good people on both sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. People get affected. Let's, let's pray right now, because I don't think this is something that just I can pray in the church, or a few of us. But together, if we say, nope, this is valuable to Jesus, and we're, we're gonna, it's valuable to us, And we're going to pray a protective uh, wall around Compass Church to believe for it to flourish and become everything that it ought to be. Are you with me on that? Let's pray. In fact, let's take a stand. If you would stand and let's pray. And let's... Now, maybe this is a lot for you if you're uncomfortable. uh, But join hands with somebody. Just to represent our unity. If you're uncomfortable with that, don't feel bad. If you need to say, "Ah, oh, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable with that," I'll uh, stand. I'm together with you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we uh, create a chain, even now, that we are in one accord in this place, to the degree that you would have us be that way. We say, Lord, we're open. We're desiring, uh, we're desirous of uh, of the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We ask that you would bring unity, that you would bring the blessing of unity, that you'd give the motivation and the inspiration for us to choose Um, what's right, to choose what's good and edifying for our brothers and sisters and to reject what's uh, divisive and what is destructive God. We pray even now together as one for a shield around Compass Church in Jesus' name. That you would protect, that we would recognize and discern when a subtle thing comes in that the enemy is trying to just Um, bring a wedge, drive a wedge between uh, friends, between brothers and sisters, between people in the body. Father, we pray, as Paul did, that you would grant us right now to be of one mind according to Christ Jesus so that with one mind, we might with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I ask for that for each one in this place. And for those that are, that are away today, God, we include them in this prayer in sure. Jesus' name. We thank you for it, God. God, for the remainder of 2019, I pray that you'd give us, God, you would cause us to flourish. To bring in the harvest for which Jesus gave his life. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Be magnified, be glorified in us. In this time, in this season, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen.